abortion, a topic that has become so much more than just a medical procedure. Today, it is a topic of heated debate amongst the common folk, politicians, religious groups, and the likes. The Merriam-Webster Dictionary defines abortion as the termination of a pregnancy after, accompanied by, resulting in, or closely followed by the death of the embryo or fetus. Today, in the episode Operation Termination, we will be delving into the medical ethics of abortion. I'm Varuni, the Vice President of the NPSI Med Club, and with me today is Sneha, the President. Before we begin, we'd like to thank Oshin and Nanditar, two of our club's members, for writing the script for this month. In the next few minutes, we will explore the medical nitty-gritty of abortion, take a glance at the legality of the procedure itself, and highlight some important developments which have shaped the debate for and against it. Abortion is a relatively easy procedure with very little chance for future health complications for the pregnant person. There are two broad types of abortion, medical abortion and surgical abortion. Medical abortion involves the consumption of medication that blocks progesterone, a pregnancy hormone, and stimulates the contraction of the uterine walls and cervix, causing the uterine lining to shed. The uterine lining supports the growing fetus, and without it, the fetus will pass through the vagina. Surgical abortion, as the name suggests, includes surgical methods to remove the fetus from the womb. Most abortion procedures are conducted during the first or second trimester of pregnancy, with 9 out of 10 abortions in developed countries taking place before 12 weeks of pregnancy. It is rarely performed in the third trimester, generally only if the pregnant person's well-being is in danger. Now that we've discussed all the medical jargon, let's discuss why this seemingly simple procedure is so controversial. Many people who oppose abortion believe that it is a destruction of life. This has raised a significant debate within the scientific community. When does life begin? One belief is that life begins at conception. Dr. Jerome Lejeune, a French geneticist, provided evidence in the 1990s that a full, distinct human genetic code is present in the human embryo from the moment of fertilization. Dr. Lejeune wrote, To accept the fact that, after fertilization has taken place, a new human has come into being, is no longer a matter of taste or of opinion. The human nature of the human being from conception to old age is not a metaphysical contention. It is plain, experimental evidence. Keeping this quote in mind, anti-abortion groups argue that an unborn child is a human being and has the right to remain alive, and abortion would be taking this right away. An additional argument in relation to the pro-life cause has to do with sex-selective abortion. Sex-selective abortions, as the name suggests, are performed because the sex of the fetus is culturally undesirable. Certainly, this is a bigoted practice that unjustifiably ends a pregnancy. However, the immorality of prenatal discrimination, such as sex-selective abortion, has been questioned in opposition to postnatal discrimination, such as female infanticide. This leads us to wonder, is it more humane to selectively terminate a fetus's development on the basis of sex than to end the life of a newborn female? Dr. Bernard N. Nathanson was once a firm believer of the merits of abortion and carried out 5,000 abortions himself before taking the opposite stance. He produced and narrated the film The Silent Scream, where he showed the stages of fetal development and showed the abortion of a 12-week-old fetus using the suction method. He said, We see the child's mouth open in a silent scream. 
This is the silent scream of a child threatened imminently by extinction. However, more recent studies suggest that fetuses only feel pain during the third trimester, when the nervous system is developed. Experts have called Dr. Nathanson's film manipulative and have said that the fetus's reaction was an involuntary response to a stimulus and not an expression of pain. Fetal pain remains controversial because any pain is a subjective experience and there's no way to measure it. Furthermore, there's a growing controversy surrounding abortion acting as a substitute for contraception. While this is certainly not the case, the number of repeated abortions is a concern. About half of all people seeking abortions in the US have had one before. Anti-abortion groups advocate that access to abortion pushes the narrative that abortion can be used as a contraception. On the other hand, access to abortion protects a pregnant person's autonomy and their fundamental right to make choices about their own body. To some, it seems unfair for a government to meddle with such private matters and impose laws that infringe on these human rights. It's difficult to overemphasize how pivotal and transformative the decision to have a child really is. A person shouldn't feel forced into it if they feel that they aren't old enough, financially secure, or emotionally ready for the responsibility that comes with being a parent. Women who are in difficult stages of their educational and professional lives may not be emotionally available to give a child the care that it needs. In 2014, 61% of women having abortions in the United States were in their 20s, a time where most women are occupied by education or building their careers. Furthermore, nine months of pregnancy and labor itself take an immense toll on a woman's body, and some may not feel ready to take on that challenge. For women, and sometimes even children, who get pregnant as a result of incest and rape, being forced to carry the pregnancy to term could be traumatizing. Women who are homeless, living in poverty, in abusive relationships, and in other situations where they receive little to no social, financial, and emotional support may not feel comfortable bringing a baby into those same circumstances. In a 2013 study, 40% of women having abortions cited financial reasons as the motivator behind their decision. According to a 2008 study conducted in South Korea, unintended pregnancy is a risk factor for poor maternal mental health as measured through the prevalence of perinatal depression, stress, and lower levels of psychological well-being and life satisfaction. Keeping this in mind, abortion takes the burden of unwanted parenthood off the shoulders of a pregnant woman, allowing for better physical and mental well-being. Moreover, the common alternative to abortion, giving the child up for adoption once it's born, isn't approved by many cultures. Adoption and foster care systems in many countries are notorious for being the center of a cycle of abuse where children often grow up without the love, care, and stability that they deserve. In a report by the Center for Disease Control and Prevention in the United States, among single women, 9% chose to give up their children to adoption before 1973, when abortion was illegal in the United States, whereas in 2002, the figure has dropped below 1%. This data illustrates that when given the choice between abortion and adoption, women choose abortion, often because of fears of mistreatment in adoptive care. Moreover, research has shown that outlawing abortions doesn't in fact reduce the demand for the procedure, but rather turns it towards backstreet methods. Illegal abortions make up for 8 to 11% of maternal deaths in countries where it isn't available legally, with approximately 30,000 preventable deaths every year. 
Like all medical procedures, legal abortions conducted by medical experts pose only a slight risk, and complications such as heavy bleeding, damage to the uterus, and sepsis happens to only 1 in 1,000 women according to the NHS. When necessary, additional treatment is almost always provided. Additionally, the claim that safe abortion results in long-term health issues such as infertility and cancer have been repeatedly falsified. We must not forget that abortion can save lives, the lives of women whose pregnancies can become fatal. One such case that sadly exemplifies this is the story of Savita Halapannavar in Ireland. In 2012, Savita was 17 weeks pregnant when she experienced severe back pain. When the doctors told her she was having a miscarriage, she requested an abortion, only to find out that in Ireland, abortion was illegal. Despite her pleas, she was denied the surgery as long as the fetus had a heartbeat. She waited almost three days in unbearable pain until the fetus could be removed. She was rushed into intensive care but had already developed septicemia, a condition in which large amounts of bacteria have entered the blood. She tragically passed away within hours. Savita's story highlights the plight of pregnant women denied abortion rights when they truly need them. Abortion is undoubtedly a multifaceted issue that won't be disappearing from public view anytime soon. But we hope that the fifth episode of Operation Doctor has helped you expand your perspective and introduced you to ideas and arguments you may have never heard of. Obviously, abortion is a sensitive topic, influenced by societal, cultural and religious norms. But it's important to have discussions like these to consolidate and expand our understanding of the ideas and the various perspectives in relation to them. What is your view on this matter? Let us know on our Instagram page at the NPSI Med Club. Enjoyed this episode? Take a listen to our other episodes on medical ethics on our website, Spotify, Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. Goodbye for now and we'll see you in our next episode.